Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. How the heck are you? I want to hear more. Some of you are sending me what you're doing over the summer for fun, whether they're stay vacations or you're traveling out of country. Please keep sending them. I want to share them. Anything fun and happy, woohoo, I'm all about. And speaking of fun and happy, my next guest, Jeremy, is in the house. Another one of my favorite people that I had the privilege of meeting at Heroic Public Speaking, which if you've been listening to me, you know I just finished the course. I actually just completed my done for you video. Oh, so much fun. Can't wait to put it up on the website. But anyhow, Jeremy is one of those people you meet and instantly just like. Well, at least I did. And I think you will. He is a financial planner by day and a biohacker by night. Yes. Fascinating. Fascinating young man. I can't wait for you to listen to his story. He's going to have so many amazing tips for you with your body and your money. And he just got married and he thought it was the best thing since anything. He actually even sent me wedding pictures. I mean, this dude is awesome. Enjoy. You know how much I really appreciate it. It really matters a lot if you rate the podcast, share it, like it. And as always, I am truly grateful for you sending me some speaking gigs. Yeah, I'm getting back out there, baby. So any gig you have in mind, whether it's a workshop or big keynote, I'm ready. I'm there. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. You know how I get so freaking excited when I bring on somebody I know. And my next guest, Jeremy, I met at HPS where I meet a lot of great people. And we had the best conversation at dinner about biohacking, not to mention a lot of other things. He was getting (laughs) married and I was like, what the heck? And he's a finance... I was like, wait, this guy is going to be so interesting. We're going to bring him on. But before I do, you you want to hear this intro? Here you go. (laughs) Ready? Financial planner by day. Bio, which we'll tell you more about. Biohacker by night. Pitbull enthusiast. Buckeye football and Star Wars, which I want to know. Did you watch Obi-Wan? We got so many things. Jeremy, how are you, married man? You just got married, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I've got the ring on here to prove it, Sandy. It's so great to be with you today and really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about a wide-ranging topics. And I just got to tell you, I, I really love your show. You have such great guests on and that just such a message of positivity you're putting out there into the world. We need more people like you. So however I can help spread that message to your community out there and really promote everything that you're doing, I'm just tickled to be able to have a, a, a brief conversation with you today and see what comes out of it. Woohoo! I'm happy about that. All right, before we dive into it, what's your word, Jeremy, in the past uh, 30 days? I want you to pick whatever comes to mind and then tell us why. 
My word is bright. And that's how I'm feeling because the sun has come out. And now I'm into the season where um, we've got more sunlight. I'm out of the seasonal affect disorder time frame uh, where everybody gets in the little bit of hibernation mode and their serotonin and their dopamine levels drop in their brain when the, the sun is lower in the sky in the mm. northern hemisphere here. And so uh, recently, about the last month or so, I stopped supplementing with my extra vitamin D3. So because my brain now is liking all of the vitamin D I can soak up from the sunlight. So I'm feeling bright. That's where I'm at today. <laughs> well, I love that. And there's so many questions in that statement. But let's back up a bit. How do you stay bright in the financial world? Mm, well, having a plan, sticking to it, knowing the knowing the truth about money and how money works. I mean, that was part of my journey initially getting into why did I want to become a financial planner? Having mm. a degree in mathematics, I could have gone down the engineering route or gone and in, gone into biomedicine. And I just thought, well, if I don't really know how money works, I, I, I'm, it's not going to do me a whole lot of good to earn a, a great living. I would rather know how money works and then be able to teach other people and make a living doing it that way. So um, as a financial planner with today's world where we're at in the markets and everything, uh, actually, my phone has been pretty quiet because the plans I put together for people are exactly intended for times like this. I saw an article not a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, saying uh, people should be changing their retirement plan based on where the market's at. And I really had a quick comment of, well, if, if you're changing your quote unquote plan based on what the markets are doing, you really didn't have a plan to start with. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of like you, you can't control what the markets are doing. That's what the plan is all about. So um, living with it, I plan with a passion for my clients so that they can live with intention and not worry about times like these. You know, I've talked to a lot of financial people lately and no one said it quite that way. That makes sense to me. You know, I've heard people say, you know, don't, don't do anything rash, you know, you know, stay steady, stay the course. But I like that if you have a great plan, then you know, like that there's going to be stuff happening like this. And if the plan works, you'll get through it. Exactly. You should always anticipate the worst and and plan for the that happening. You know, hope for the best, plan for the worst, and that way your plan will get you through both of those uncertainty and all the different times that could happen. Do you love it? Jeremy, do you love it? I do. I I love the math part of it because I get to work with numbers and make them come alive yeah. for people. So I get I love the background of creating the financial plans, figuring out how they can be the most efficient with their resources, their assets, their income sources. And then the the reward for me is really the fulfilling part of completing that plan and putting in place for folks. And I, I work exclusively with people at retirement. So we're like right at retirement, I do retirement income planning. And oh. once we have mapped out the rest of their life and they know they're going to be okay, regardless of what's going on in the markets, regardless of what's going on with interest rates, regardless of what's going on with inflation. I mean, back when I was seeing people before COVID times, we, yeah. would, we would do high fives in the office and hugs once we got through with our plan and everything was set in place. And uh, again, just plan with a passion so people can live with intention and it should be built to withstand times such as these. Okay. So why retirement? Why did you pick that area? I know you said you went to school for math. So why did you home in on that? Because I mean, for me, I would think, oh God, it would bring me so much joy that knowing these people were set for life. Well, my journey started out 
in the banking world back in Ohio. So that's where the Buckeye football reference came from. I actually grew up in a little town called Columbus, Ohio. So OH to any other Buckeye fans out there in your in your audience. And <laughs> I started out in the banking world right there on the Ohio State University campus at a campus branch. So oh. I was working with 18, 19 year old kids who were coming in and getting their first credit card, their first you know, che checking account, savings account, and, and helping them to kind of learn along the way how money worked. Mm -hmm. And then in 2009, I transitioned to a completely different end of the industry, uh, working with people on the estate planning side, helping them with living trust agreements and funding those trusts. And so I was working with 70 and 80 year olds. And what I found, which was alarming, was that their financial acumen had not advanced as much as I would have thought compared to those 18 and 19 year old kids I was working with at the bank. Oh. And I kept seeing more and more people who were either running out of money or running low on assets mm. later on in life due to decisions they made earlier in their retirement. And that was when I decided to plant my flag and really specialize in the retirement space because it's a much more complicated picture. The decumulation phase, the um, what I like to call coming down the mountain, the financial mountain, <laughs> uh, because, you know, it's 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 kind of like the Mount Everest story of, of the 300 people who have died climbing Mount Everest. Over 80 percent of them have died after they summited the the mountain so they they were on the way down it's i did not know more, that oh yeah mm -hmm. of that people more people die coming down than going up hmm. and it's similar in the financial space all of the attention all of the energy all the planning and all of the marketing and advertising dollars are going towards consumers who are trying to save money and put money into accounts at banks investment companies and insurance companies and when it comes time to get back down safely, there's not a whole lot of help and, and there's a lot of misinformation and miscommunication out there. And those companies, those same institutions, uh, while they make it easy for you to put money into those accounts, when you try and take it out, there could be some hoops you need to jump through and it can be a pretty complicated picture to put together. And with yeah. my, uh, my large left brain, obviously being a mathematician, <laughs> I kind of yeah. like a puzzle to figure out. So it just really hits all the buttons for me as far as a profession. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I was like, his clients must be whatever you want me to do, Jeremy, because you speak with such confidence and power and strength. I just believe you. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> it's it's born of, of seeing a lot of people, seeing a lot of yeah. things that have gone wrong. And then, yeah, in times like this, it's it's really helpful and thankful and the the messages I get from my clients and when they, they have mm. questions, I can kind of go back over and say, this is what we planned for. This is why we did this. And yeah. it, it's just very fulfilling. It's, uh, you know, completing that, that circle for everybody. Yeah. So rewarding. Okay. Now why we're here. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> the big dinner question. When you start bringing up biohacking for those out there who are not familiar with that word, please explain. The best way to describe biohacking is affecting the environment around you so that you can get the most out of your biology. Mm. That's the simplest definition. So oh, I how, like that one. How can I control, how can I impact the way I show up each and every day by everything that is I'm exposing my body to. So that's the starting off with the food and the nutrition, the nutrients we put into our bodies, the uh, external environments as far as the air we breathe, the uh, kind of electrical um, 
communications and, and relationships we have with all the devices around us, how we filter the information coming into our brain, the words that we use, and the relationships that we have, the, the those five people that are the closest around us, we're going to become the average of those folks just from the uh, laws of attraction and, and uh, association. And it really comes down to taking control of your your biology and and not accepting the the what the world's limitations as your reality and and the the old adage of uh, well they this has never been done so it can't be done I, I don't accept that and I'm going out there uh, every day to to try and tweak and, and hack my biology just so that I can show up each and every day for uh, my wife, my dogs, my family, my friends in the best manner possible to mm. just enjoy life and and hopefully spread a little bit of joy and a little bit of wisdom uh, along the way. And uh, everybody I touch may hopefully can have a reverberating uh, impact in the people that they're uh, interacting yeah. with. So it's, it's a ripple effect. And there's nothing, nothing more important than how you feel. When you are flying high and you just have such vitality, I mean, not only are you feeling good yourself, they serve, like you said, everyone around you. So let's back up to a statement that I'm highlighting here that you said, you are the five people around you. Let's dive into that, Jeremy, because I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay, well, maybe I should fire that person in my life. <laughs> It, it it it's I mean it, it, there's there's many studies lots of books I've read it in, in multiple ones that really talk about the being very intentional with with who you spend your time with yeah and and and, and who who you're around so if if the five people that you interact with the most uh, are are complaining they're negative they think that the world's out to get them they uh, are kind of saying that that they can't do anything right and and all, all we all know the the negative yeah. uh, words or actions that they that they use yeah I, I mean it's not it's not necessarily my fault if those are the people that I'm around in that I'm just absorbing all of that I mean way to show up the way that they're showing up that then becomes normal to me and in and, and psychologically I feel like well that's okay because that's normal yeah the only control I have over is whether I choose to associate with those people so just flip it on its on its head and and go to the other side of the coin and say well now if I'm spending time with people who are living in an abundance mindset they are, are looking to the future with optimism. They realize that the world is never as good or never as bad as you think. The sky is not falling, that things are gonna, gonna work out and be okay. There's a plan, there's an intention of the universe, and they want the best for you. Well, you're, you're just gonna have a completely different life. And the, yeah. the, the main thing that you can do as far as on the biohacking side to take control of your state really i think would would be that and yeah it's it's tough and that don't want to fire anybody and say i'm i'm <laughs> not, not going to hang out with you anymore but you can just be more intentional with yes, how I you agree. spend your time and, yeah, and I, it's more uh, around keeping that in mind i think yeah I, i'm laughing because i'm joking <laughs> but i right. i have honestly throughout the years different people have crept in and i'm like whoo how did they get there and it's not like I totally don't see them at all, but I don't see them as much mm -hmm. because I truly, we were just having this conversation. I'm down the shore with a bunch of my girlfriends 
And I'm like, yeah, your close friends should lift you up. You know, not that they're not going to be truthful and honest with you, but when you're with them, oh, it should feel so good. And they're like, well, Sandy, what if you grew up with them? I go, I don't care if you knew them since you're four. If you feel like they're constantly putting you down, why would you hang out with them in your 50s? Mm-hmm. You know, it just didn't make sense to me. But that being said, I want to know the answer to this because I want to see how you would react to this. Whenever I see the group going really negative and start and talk about whatever, all the world and it's going, you know, it's bad and this and this. They'll go, wait, wait for it. Here goes Sandy. Peace out. Bye God. Like I'll go into another room. Like, let me know when you want to come back around. And they say to me, you know, Sandy, you can't run from the world. You know, you're looking through the world with rose colored glasses and it's okay to be more realistic. And I always say, it's not that I don't know what's going on in the world. I'm very aware. I just choose to highlight all the positive stuff. Yes. But I mm-hmm. want to know what you would say. Uh, I would say, well, you, you, you're you welcome to join me in this other room. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's that. Yeah, like you're doing that, I think, the most respectful thing possible because you're not you're not staying in the room and trying to tell them that they're wrong or nope. talking down to them. You're not trying to change their outlook. Uh, you're not saying, well, you guys are, you know, spending a lot of extra time and and you're really damaging <clears throat> your own psychology by by spinning all this stuff up. You're respectfully just saying, I mean, you're taking control of your own emotions and your own state by going into another location, letting them get the uh, satisfaction that they are looking for and having that conversation. But you just don't want to engage in that and yep. and kind of go down the the woe is me, the world is coming to an end type of a, a methodology. And that's one reason I listen to uh, uh, and, and follow Peter Diamantis and Dan Sullivan. They're very futuristic type of thinking individuals and always looking at what's on the forefront and how things can actually get better and looking at that better other side of the coin. So I, I think you're that's that's probably how I would react. Oh, good. now now I don't I don't, actually I don't think I would be as disciplined as you would. I would probably ask some different questions and try and maybe challenge their their thinking or their beliefs or maybe make an I statement of well I I can understand how you'd say that that the way I see the world and the way that I think about it is this. So um, it's but those are challenging situations and I, yeah. I, again we're not trying to change how other people see or, or live the world. Um, so and that, that's, uh, but that's probably how I would, would deal yeah. with it is accept yeah. and understand, commiserate with what they're saying, and then just give a statement of how I see the world and yeah. how I show up. So, yeah. And you're right. It's, it's slightly different depending on the group. If you know them well, really well, you might say things slightly different than if they were mm-hmm. just acquaintances. But can you say those two names again? Cause you mentioned a Peter and a Dan. Yeah. Peter Diamantis. Uh, and Dan Sullivan. So Peter Diamantis, he runs um, some di- different institutes, and, and he is really into like futuristic thinking. So he does oh. right now. He's into a lot of regenerative anti-aging medicine, and he's an MD and a PhD in his uh, studies. And mm. so, so, um, so he he's a big Elon fan, and just very much into 
uh, AI. He did a, recently did a book and, and a, a tour with Tony Robbins. So very much in that space. Dan Sullivan, he runs Strategic Coach, which is a coaching program for entrepreneurs and a very successful guy. And then he's all about how can I be more efficient with the way that I'm showing up in the world as well. And, and uh, again, a lot of impact and intention around how can I communicate better with my team? How can I have more of an impact on the people that we're serving? How can I be more successful as a, as a person, as an entrepreneur? So yeah, Peter Diamantis and Dan Sullivan, those are a couple yeah, of Yeah, I've heard of Dan, but not Peter, so I'm going to mm-hmm. look him up. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, take us back. Have you always been like this? Like always had the <laughs> positive attitude, want to take care of your body, get the most out of it? Tell us about your parents. Did you grow up like this? Uh, I grew up as a pretty curious kid. I think my favorite question growing up was why, and that was probably a little frustrating at times for my parents because sometimes <laughs> there wasn't a question or an answer as far as why yeah. certain things yeah. were the way they were. But always interested in, in numbers, always tinkering around and, and just interested in how the world works, uh, how it reacts. I'm a five on the Enneagram scale, so a, a kind of a, a quiet specialist and always interested in, in how the world comes together. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, the uh, I was always just fascinated, and like I said, uh, I got to the point, I think it was even in high school, I thought about either going into estate planning and doing some more complex financial planning or studying the brain and, and learning about how it worked. And so it's it's been a, a bit of a, a journey. I went away to college and, and then growing up in the Midwest, growing up on a kind of a grain-fed diet, uh, carb-filled diet, uh, did some, <laughs> some different things for me. So it was like cereal in the morning, sandwich for lunch, yeah. um, and potatoes for dinner, right? That yeah. was how I, how I grew up. And I um, always played sports, worked out, didn't have any issues with uh, weight or how I was, how I was looking and, and how I was feeling. And then I got right around about the age 30 and I just started noticing things, getting a little getting a little looser uh, on my body, but I mean, clothes are getting tighter, but you know, things were were sagging or or starting to bow out and having a little bit of brain fog and just not, uh, not feeling great. And I mean, the other thing was for years, I I struggled with, with depression starting in high school. And um, so it was, it was, there were, there were tough times had some physical uh, injuries throughout the years that had some, some physical pain. So, uh, that all kind of came together, and it was right around, I think, uh, 2015 when I was sitting in an airport, and I think it was the Detroit airport, and I read this article on, um, I think it was Bloomberg News, and it was an article that said, Putting butter in your coffee will help you lose weight, and it's going to make this guy a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was an article about Dave Asprey and yeah, yeah. Uh, bulletproof bulletproof coffee. And I I read this and and I'm like that that doesn't make any sense. Like how, yeah. that what it, what is all this all about? And I talked to a friend of mine who was uh, big into personal fitness and diet, and sort of overnight I went from a carb-based diet to more of a fat-based ketogenic diet 
uh, started overnight. working out overnight. a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Overnight, just uh, said, okay, well, I'm done with this. And, and <laughs> now I had an event coming up. So my brother was getting married and we were going to be going down to uh, South Beach in Miami for uh, his, uh, his bachelor weekend. So I'm like, okay, well, the shirt's coming off and I and and I, I have a pack on my stomach, but it's not a six pack, it's a one pack also known yeah, as a keg belly. Yeah. So I, I gotta get rid of this thing. Oh, okay, you had and so, you know, I had 30 days to, to do it and I had some motivation and switched overnight, lost 20 pounds in 30 days, which was 10% of my body weight at that point. And I was working out less than I was before, before I was doing CrossFit and, and really going at it as much as possible. And that was my first entree into the biohacking space that really showed me the, the amount of power I had to control what was going into my body, yeah. uh, how that would affect what my, uh, you know, what was coming out the other end. And that started the, the quest and, and learning from people like Dave and uh, Ben Greenfield and some of the other uh, iconic names in the biohacking space now, but it's been a it's been a fun journey these last seven years. And I could see that with you, like you're sort of like me. Like if I'm in, I'm all in. And mm-hmm. I and not that you know we don't have similar backgrounds at all, but I always was that person that said when you can't do something, I would say, "Are you sure?" Like I don't understand. Like maybe, just yep. maybe. And I love that you say, you know. Everything is impossible until it isn't. And that's how I've always believed. Like, okay, they didn't run the four-minute mile until they did. Right. So how do we know what's even possible? Like, it's going to keep changing every year what you can do with the body and the mind. And that's why I think it's important to, as far as the type of media, the, the type of information you're taking in. So, yeah, the, the four-minute mile with Roger Bannister, they were trying to break that thing since 1886. And they thought it was pretty much impossible until 1954, and he did it. They thought Crazy. it would then take you know six more decades for somebody to do it, but within the next two years, uh, four more people ran it in under four minutes. So it was definitely a psychological aspect. Yeah. And, and for me in the in the biohacking space and looking from a, a, a health angle, I started researching and reading things from Aubrey de Grey who is a biomedical gerontologist over at Cambridge. And he was the first one really quoted as saying the first person to live to age 150 is alive today already. And that really challenged my thinking of starting to measure biological age and the few different ways we can do with that, whether it's telomere testing um, or the Horvath method or, or there's a couple different ways to look at that. But how are how old are your actual cells versus chronologically? How many yeah. times have you gone around the sun? And um, the, so that's that's one of the things that I'm really interested and excited about as far as the anti-aging side of biohacking, because I'm just I'm not going to accept what what the world and the conventional, quote unquote, wisdom uh, tells me is possible. So I have a question. The new Weefy, the wife, Megan, mm-hmm. is she into it? Like, is it like you both are enthusiastic about this? I'm definitely more researched and more enthusiastic about cutting edge um, aspects of biohacking. However, she is definitely on board and, and she she trusts me as far as the research that I do and the rabbit holes I go down. And so she takes bite-sized pieces and, and works with things. But I got to tell you that uh, being a biohacker and, and coming in and bringing her up to speed... She has been, uh, she was a vegetarian since she was the age of 17. 
Oh. And um, with me, now she's a pescatarian, so now she's uh, introducing some wild-caught salmon into into the yeah. diet to get a little bit yeah. more of the omega-3 and some of the amino acids you get with some of the uh, the meat there and the protein. Well, we recently did a, a pretty extensive diagnostic testing and, and actually measured our biological age. And uh, I was a little bummed because mine came back as uh, my biological age was 44. So I'm actually chronologically 43. So I'm right around there. She is uh, chronologically age 30 and she got a biological age of 17. So I, and she and she hasn't gone to the lengths that I do. And I'm, I'm going... Okay, so is the secret just not to eat meat and like my cells are not going to age? Like, how does this work? So yeah, uh, yeah. But it, so we have fun like that and 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 play around. But she is definitely yeah. all about. Um, I mean, she we're both type A personalities, but in different ways. I like to say yeah. she's type A one. I'm type A two from an organization, neatness, cleanliness, uh, structure, goal setting, those types of things. So she's definitely all about. What can we do or what can I do with my morning routine, with my spiritual practice, with my meditation, yeah. with my uh, you know, Bible study, different things that, that she does so that she can show up better. So we have that same common goal from an end yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just get a little bit more into the weeds of some of the technical pieces. Which would be fun for me because I would be like, okay, you do all the research and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll try it. I would love that. Like, right. Because, I mean, I love it, but I'm probably the same way. I'm not going to go down those rabbit holes as much as you do. You mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'll be like, you do it, and then I'll just do what you tell me to do. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be so, so much fun. All right, we've <laughs> got to get a few questions in because before you came on, I asked my audience, what do they want to know? What do they want to know? And the biggest thing is... I had this uh, gentleman, I always give him fake names, Billy Bob. If he said he knows nothing about biohacking, he is 50 pounds overweight, told he's supposed to lose weight, he works out three times a week. He said, please just ask Jeremy, as a beginner, not to be overwhelmed, what advice would you give him? And he definitely wants to lose the 50 pounds because he has two little kids and he wants to be healthy. But you know, he's somebody that goes to the gym a couple times a week. Let's say he drinks beer on the weekends and he eats, well, he does eat a lot of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the easiest thing that Billy Bob could do was to, uh, if it was me, let me, again, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I can't give any medical advice. No, no, so no. if, it was, wants, if yeah. it was me and I was in Billy Bob's position, I would take the step of going gluten-free. That's the first thing I would do. Oh, you would? All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's going to be the easiest step for him. And that the reason is uh, gluten, when it's digested in the stomach, it creates little micro tears in the stomach. I, I joke with uh, Megan's family that think of when you're eating gluten, little tiny razor blades are going down into your stomach and slicing <laughs> little holes in there. Do you tell them that while they're eating pasta? <laughs> oh, no, they already know. So they they, uh, they actually look at me when they're eating. Oh, little razor blades going down my stomach. I was like, have fun oh, with that, you know, God. especially tomorrow. And uh, But it, it leads to leaky gut syndrome. And what that means is that when you actually, even when you're eating healthy food, some of that 
food are byproducts and things that your body can't use and should not get into your system outside of your stomach. And if you have a leaky gut, those items are going to go where they shouldn't be and they're going to cause inflammation. So I would venture a guess that of Billy Bob's 50 pounds he wants to lose, mm. probably 30 or 35 of those pounds is actually inflammation in his body, not wow. actual fat. Wow. And that's what I found when I went on my journey. So that would be the first and easiest thing to do is yeah. to go and just go into a gluten-free uh, lifestyle. And I'll tell you what, Sandy, the grocery stores, the I mean, I'm talking to regular grocery stores now have a lot of gluten-free options oh, yeah, out there yeah. because it's 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 you know it's not just for people with celiac anymore. I certainly can tolerate gluten, but I just it affects. I can now tell the way it affects my the way I feel. So, yeah, focus more on what you're putting into your body rather than trying to work out more is uh, is the thing because the way that your body is set up and the way that your mind shows up 90% of that in my opinion is more diet related rather than exercise related. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So let's go right into the second question, which is this woman says, my husband's been trying to get me to go gluten-free forever, but I'm not overweight and I feel good. And I know you're not a doctor, but in Jeremy's opinion, which I think you just answered, does he feel everyone should be gluten-free? Again, I just know that for me, I can tell when I, if 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 I do decide to eat gluten, let's say I have sourdough bread or I have a, a gluten full beer, let's say I can yeah. just tell you that the next day uh, there's bloating, there's gas, there's yeah. ingestion. I, I, I feel it. So if if she can tolerate gluten, maybe she's got a stomach of steel. I mean, <laughs> if she yeah. feels good and she her, her uh, weight is good and if if. I mean, if she wants to prove it to her husband, she can go get some advanced diagnostic testing and get all of her blood levels checked and everything like that. I mean, that's the main thing about gluten is it's just it, it's harmful for the gut microbiome. Yeah. So yeah. if that's if she's doing OK and it's not a not a big deal for her, that's um, and then more power to her. Wish I could do that because gluten's gluten's delicious. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, I, I, I miss these donuts and the. Uh, you know, everything, the as beer especially, but yeah, uh, I'm willing to make that trade-off to have feel. the yeah. how I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what about people that say, oh, I can't wait. I just had a friend uh, three years ago. She was getting married over in Italy. She's like, oh, I can't wait because she's gluten-free. But she's like, Sandy, when I go to Europe, I can eat it. I feel so good. Have you ever heard that? Like, it's different. It's different. And I was like, mm -hmm. is that yeah. true? Well, the... Again, I'm glad I'm not a doctor because I wouldn't be able to say this. But the FDA and the, the organizations over here, for some reason, there's just looser regulations on the food that is available in the grocery stores and what we consume. And I've heard that as well from my parents when they traveled over to Europe, especially specifically Italy, to where the pasta was just different. It was fresher. Yeah. Uh, so they're over there. They're probably using more, a lot more sourdough, a lot more of ancient grains, uh, not as much of the, the commercial wheat that we would be using in this country to, yeah. to make food, um, really as cheap as possible and then push out to the masses. So I think there is a difference and I can tell you specifically wine, there's a huge difference. I mean, I got to the point where I couldn't really even enjoy a, a single glass of 
wine, if it was produced and, and grown and bottled here in the States without getting a headache. Yeah, and that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was why I was in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah. And so that was why I started getting uh, my wine from overseas. So I actually use a company called Dry Farm Wines. Wait, I'm writing and this down. Yeah, so they can deliver either whites or reds, or now I'm getting rosés because it's the summer. Yeah. But uh, it's like a monthly subscription. They source them from overseas. Most of them come from France, some from Austria, um, different um, Germany. I mean, it just depends. But it they're clean. I can I can drink it a couple glasses and don't have any any effects, headaches, hangovers, nothing like that. So, I agree. I can mm-hmm. tell the difference. Like I drink wine mostly from Italy and France, and if I don't, whew, yep. I, it's not even just a headache. I for some reason I go to bed, I wake up. Like, there's something in it. Like I just don't feel well. Yeah, there's just a lot so many additives that wines commercially are are made and extra sugars and yeah. Whole whole uh, litany of things, but that's that's how I make sure I can enjoy my life and and yeah. get the things that I and, and do the things that I want to do, but I just want to make sure I feel well doing it. Okay. So we're going to go to this next question because I got hit hard with it. But I think the best way to go about it is what is Jeremy's eating plan? So there's people that have tried a little bit of everything and Mm -hmm. they just want to know, is it something, most people, is it something that's individual? Like some people are vegan or vegetarian or like you said, like, is it different each individual or paleo or do you have a philosophy like hey if you all if you ate this way it would be best for most so yeah like that, i hit that's, a lot right this. well i mean there, there's all of those answers are correct what i can say is that what i followed for years that really got me into a good position was following the the bulletproof diet roadmap okay because when Uh, Dave Asprey developed that his whole intention was what are the foods that cause the least amount of inflammation over the most people. Uh, So from a mass scale, here are the foods ranked on a scale as far as this one is the least inflammatory and this one you need to stay away from at at all costs. So, yeah, I mean, from a simple standpoint, stay away from gluten, Stay away from high fructose corn syrup, aspartame, yep. and uh, sucralose. So stay away from those. And then when if you're eat, I mean, I'm big into organic vegetables. I, I want to make sure my stuff is not sprayed with glyphosate. I don't care what uh, Monsanto or Bayer says. I, I believe it has properties in there that could give you the the C word. Yeah. Um, and if and for your fr- protein. Make sure your your protein is is pasture raised and grass fed. Um, the less grain you can get into that that stuff is the the better. Um, and yeah, those are the I mean, so those are some basic guidelines that I have. Yeah. And then I just cut down on on my carbs and eat more of let let's call it a whole food, um, plant heavy diet. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. By the way, I love this time of year when I can grow my own veggies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my God, I love it, Jeremy. There's, it's just so exciting. Like, wait a minute, this is my lettuce. This is my tomato. Right, and, and with uh, you, I mean, with inflation doing doing what it's doing, it people should take notice because 
come the fall, they might see some pretty big uh, price increases on, on their protein. So yeah, the more food you can grow, hey, that's a great little financial hack, Sandy, uh, as far as <laughs> grow your own food. It's going to be the cheapest stuff you can get. I didn't and, even think of that. And probably the way. highest quality. So Yeah, I just get so excited. Like, you should see my face. My husband's like, oh God, she's bringing in a tomato. She's going to Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And by the way, not that I don't love them, but I don't like when the rabbits go in and eat my food. <laughs> but I can't mm-hmm. be so mad at them. Okay. All right. right. So I want to switch gears a little bit because we're, I could talk to you forever. You're just fascinating and I love what you have to say. But about words, I'm, uh, everyone knows me. I drive them crazy. I pick a word. I so believe the words you tell yourself have a huge impact. Not e- just even saying, Oh God, I'm such an idiot. Like, I just think it affects you. So I see in one of your major tips that you believe the same thing. And I, I've never heard these. You call it the four P's? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the four P communication principles. And and it, it kind of goes uh, from the other side of the getting away from the four weasel world words that I, I believe you never want to have come out of your mouth, which is can't, bad, try, and need. Those are ones I, yeah, I really I should. Actively... I should. I hate that mm-hmm. word. I should. Yeah, yeah. so I, I get away from those. But uh, it was – now, this was a talk I attended from uh, Invesco Research Company, and they did a, a great talk on this, and I was, so I want to make sure and give them credit for these. But the communication principles I picked up are are positive, plausible, plain, and personal. So – when you're talking to yourself or when you're communicating with others, so if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a speaker, if you're in the financial world and you're in any type of uh, communication profession or you, I mean, or you have anybody in your life you're, you communicate with, I believe you're going to get farther if you, first of all, make sure that you're communicating in a positive manner. So instead of, instead of bad, say, well, it could be better. Um, it's not as good. And, and let's let's start going in that direction because people are going to move in the direction of their wants rather than in the direction of their needs. So first of all, let's be positive in the way that we're communicating with both ourselves and others. And number two, let's make sure it's plausible. So the way that uh, one of the reasons I do all this research in the biohacking space and, and look at some of the PubMed studies and and kind of lean on the shoulders of of giants and ones who have come before me in the in the space is I want to believe it inside innately that what I'm telling myself is possible. Okay, so this is plausible. It's not too good to be true. It's not pie in the sky. It's achievable. So let's make sure we're communicating in a plausible manner. Mm. Number three is plain. Let, let's use plain words. I, 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 I really believe in let's use simple language so that it's it's easy to understand and I can latch on to it. And uh, I'm not trying to dress it up. I'm not trying. And that's but that's me. So I, yeah. I think being yeah, yeah, plain and clear like, yeah. hey, this is what I'm, I'm going after. This is what I want to achieve. Uh, I want to I want to lose 20 pounds in 30 days and I want to look good. That, that's fine. That's great. That's plain bing, and it's it's something we can do. And then make it personal. So instead of making wide-ranging statements that would apply to everyone, let's make it personal. I, I, I think this can come down to a, let's say, a marketing message in that as I was building my financial firm and I was learning different marketing techniques and I was looking at sending out mass emails or I was putting videos together and 
and I was speaking from my standpoint to this wide audience and I was talking to, let's say, everybody at, at the same time. But when I put myself in the shoes of someone who would be receiving that message, which is who I wanted it to be, I was like, I'd rather have somebody talking directly to me and using words like you and you probably are thinking this instead of having statements that are very wide ranging. And it taught me in my marketing to be very laser focused as far as let me decide who my perfect avatar is that I actually want to speak to. And then I'll craft my message. So my my marketing approach is probably anti the the marketing school. I'm not trying to cast a wide net. I want a very targeted net so that I know anybody who's coming through that is going to be someone I actually already want to work with. But the, the the four communication principles of positive, plausible, plain, and personal is going to do wonders for your own personal state as way as as well as the way you're able to interact with the people in your life. You know, I'm so glad you added that in because one of my I always have a word of the day and I make a power statement. And one of my power statements has been I feed my mind, body, and soul to feel amazing inside and out or have vitality. So it's not just about movement, which of course is a big thing for me because I own health clubs and eating, but also what I'm feeding my mind, which mm-hmm. is all about the words that I feed myself. Right. And I've never, I've never heard a biohacker talk about that. It's a, it's a big, big space. We, and I talk to my friends and just kind of slough it off as the, the woo woo type of side of, of biohacking. But it's certainly moved in that direction of meditation and breath work and the words we tell ourselves. I'm a huge Wayne Dyer fan. I believe in the, the power of intention and, and my, my mantra at the end of every, meditation session i have is i intend to feel good and really? it's uh, the same one same one. Oh yeah every every time i say it i say it five times uh use a tony robbins technique of putting the emphasis on each different word as i as i say it and mm. so that is yeah that's the way i finish every single one and and that comes down to the the main principle. If if there's a word for the day for me, it's consistency. Yeah, uh, I have that on my uh, my mood bracelet I wear every day. I have uh, my five minute journal every morning. I go get up and and kind of go through that. And so uh, rather than having peaks and valleys and and wide range and and living in a let's say a bipolar existence where I fall off uh, personally in what I want to do and then I hop back on and really work super hard for three months and then kind of fall off the off the wagon and, and get derailed. Now, I'd rather be consistent and, and, and yeah. live in that even zone and constantly be improving just a, just a little bit. I mean, today I want to be just a, a little bit better than I was a year ago, a little bit better than I was yeah. the year before that. Yeah. Uh, and over a lifetime, that can really add up. You know, as much as people say, Sandy, you're such a wig nut, you're all over the place. I am very consistent in what I do every day before I show up in the world. And I truly believe like you, Jeremy, it's those little things I do every single day that have a huge impact in my life. So before we go, though, I do want to ask you because you mentioned meditation and that you say the same thing at the end. How long do you meditate every day? Mm, I don't meditate every single day. Usually I'll do like this morning I did some Wim Hof breathing. So I did breath work prior to my workout. Uh, Usually I'll do between five and 10 minutes of meditation in the morning uh, at the end of my movement session. So I uh, I actually use a Muse EEG headset. So it's um, 
it's act it's uh, biofeedback like active biofeedback it actually there's a soundtrack i can tell whether i'm in a theta state or a beta state a headspace and i can kind of train my brain to get into that Ooh. relaxed Ooh. state so I, I i mix the the biohacking technical uh gadgets and toys with some of the woo woo uh, positive thinking mantras and and kind of have it all meet in the middle for a uh, a pretty pretty incredible uh, uh, joining of forces, let's say. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time. I freaking love what you're putting out in the world and the people that you're impacting, even in the financial world. I mean, it, you must make such a difference. But before we go, I just need to find out, how can they reach you? <laughs> Google's a great thing. They can find me, Jeremy D. Ship. Uh, I'm on, I mean, Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, Jeremy Ship Retirement Planner. My company website is Retirement Capital Planners. So if anyone's out there at the cusp of retirement and they want somebody to help them in uh, having a successful retirement, and really um, planning for a financially care for your retirement. That's that's what I do during the day. And then, uh, like I said, at night, I go and put on my blue blockers and make sure I can get the right amount of sleep to be able to show up the next day. But I just really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, Sandy. You're doing an incredible service for the world. Uh, you have an incredible, incredible guest, and I'm just honored to be on and share a little bit of the way I'm able to show up in the world. And yeah. Uh, just really hope that people can take one little thing away from today's talk and use it to improve their lives and then have that ripple out to the people that they interact with. Amen, Jeremy. Amen. All right, my let's keep it real people. Come on, Jeremy definitely kept it real. You're going to want to share, like it, subscribe. We really appreciate it. And you know what I'm going to say? Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.